Welcome to C3 Church Central Coast Sermon Cast. We pray that you'll be inspired and impacted by this message and trust that you're better equipped to live your best life. Highest parachute jump that you could possibly do is right up in the stratosphere and he jumped. Amazing thing about gravity is he went down. The principle still works no matter how far up you get. And I want to tell you the principles of God are real, but there's an application that has to take place. It isn't just simply a matter of us knowing about them. We have to apply them. I was reading your church newsletter today because I always read it just so I could read my name. <laughs> you know, so I don't have a problem with self-worth or anything like that, but it's, you know, but it's just good to read my name, you know. But I read this because it's in keeping with what I want to talk about this morning. Just, just about a guy. You know, this is what I love about the Word of God. It's about people. It's about people in God. And you might be here this morning, you might not know him. You know, you might be just knocking on the door. You might be just, who the heck is this Jesus? Well, hopefully by the end of this message, you might find yourself opening the door of your heart to invite him into your world. But this church, our vision is to keep reaching upward, outward, and inward, connecting to the Lord, the community, and each other. You couldn't get a greater vision, honestly. Very simple, but incredibly profound. So if you've got your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to a, a uh, particular story. I'll read the whole story out. I'm reading now the New King James Version, mainly because it actually articulates a particular phrase in a unique way. And most versions, the ESV, um, you know, the NASB, NIV, they all articulate this phrase the same way. The New Living Translation doesn't articulate it this way, but it has significance. And so that's why I'm reading from this particular version today. Quick prayer. Lord, Speak to us. Embrace us. Reveal yourself to us. In your glorious name. Amen. I love Jesus. You know, and Chris was speaking about, you know, praising God for the level of our praise because of the level of what you are aware you've been delivered from. Uh, There's another way it's been put. Jesus actually said this. He who has been forgiven much, loves much. He has been forgiven little, loves little. Uh, we have a friend um, called Debbie uh, White. I can't, don't know what her maiden name was, but Deb was raised virtually in the house of God. Deb hardly did anything wrong. I think one time Debbie actually thought about pinching a crunchy bar. I think that was the closest she got to it, right? And so that was the depth of her sin, right? Mine was a little bit further, but the thing is this, the deal is not how bad you've been or how good you've been. The deal is realizing the depth of Christ's crucifixion to deliver us from our sin. And if you have a revelation of that, whether it was just thinking about stealing a crunchy bar or whether doing other stuff that is far worse, you'd find yourself lifting your voice in praise and loving God to the incredible extent that you are appreciative of what he's done for your life. I only say that because I think that, that what happens at times, we don't think we're that bad. 
You know, we just, you know. But the reality is, if there's just one of us here, and we'd just done one thing wrong, there was just one dot, one little dot on the scale of purity, Jesus Christ would have still come and died to deliver you from the consequence of your sin. So it's not how much we've done, it's how much God loves us. This is the story of Zacchaeus. Any people about to have babies, this is a great name to give your kid. Right? You've got a lot of Zacchaeuses or just Zacks? There's a Zach here who was playing the guitar here. Is that is that the full name, Zach? Your Zachary. Zachariah, Zachary. There you go. I, I think I think you know. I think your actual name was Zacchaeus, but uh, you know, not just kidding. Okay, reading from verse one, it says, "Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now, behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and was rich. He sought to see who Jesus was. That's the key phrase. He sought to see who Jesus was. Some version says he sought to see Jesus, but he wasn't." He didn't know who Jesus was at all. He sought to see who Jesus was. And maybe you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus. You're just turned up here, I want to see who Jesus was. Who he is, who he is to be. Alright? But he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, And said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste, came down, and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, that is all the other people who are looking at Jesus, uh, you know, sort of talking to Zacchaeus. They all complained, saying, he has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. I want to tell you, friends, this is who Jesus came for. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the broken. He came for those who are, you know, separated from God. He came for those that the rest of us may look at at times and make value judgments of them. That's who he came for. But we were of that culture. We were of that same place. But that's who God has come for. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house because he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Isn't that a brilliant story? It's not a story. It's a piece of history, right? It's this guy's narrative. It's what happened in his world. It's like my story. You know, Zacchaeus, he was an incredibly wealthy guy, but... What it's really conveying to us is that Zacchaeus was trying to fill a void in his life. For him, it was wealth. For the rest of us, it can be all sorts of different things. It can be a relationship. It can be, you know, um, a particular career. It can be a particular, uh, you know, sort of um, uh, facility or, or a material possession that we want to own. It can be all sorts of different things that we are seeking to fill our lives with that would somehow satisfy us. The amazing thing is that it never actually does. It never actually does. When Chris and I were, you know, sort of uh, young, about a week ago, um, we were 
the proverbial hippies, all right? That's what we were. And um, we had got ourselves involved in all sorts of different counterculture things. And uh, I had sort of pursued God, right? Because Zacchaeus, he believed in God. He just didn't know who Jesus was. But he believed in God. He's a Jew, right? And so he had an understanding of it, but he was just capitalizing on a particular situation at that time that was going to make him wealthy, right? And he was working for the Romans. And when Chris and I, you know, we were pursuing God our way, right? Trying to find him our way, trying to fill a void. And even though we lived on a commune, we had all the dope that we wanted to smoke, you know, uh, it didn't satisfy. As a matter of fact, it went the other way. Right? We actually began to find that it was actually beginning to destroy us, both as a couple, but as also as individuals. And so really what it's talking about is, is every single one of us, and you know, this is the sad part to me, incredibly sad. I know of Christians who have come to Christ who are still trying to fill their life with other things, even though they know it's Jesus. And I've found that over the years of walking with God, even I myself have done that. You know, you just get caught out. You think somehow ministry is going to fill that void. Even though it's all good, you know, I'm trying to do something good for people. But the reality is this, the only thing that can fill that void is a living relationship with Christ. And it can be literally subverted by all these other things that begin to come into our world. Sometimes we feel alienated from God. Sometimes we feel distant from Him for all sorts of different reasons. We can be fatigued. We can be run down. We can be sick. We can, you know, be disappointed. We can be disillusioned. We can have all sorts of things that we've been leaving God for and they haven't come through in our time frame. And so right at that point in time, we, we find ourselves, you know, disillusioned, discouraged, whatever the case might be, and we try and begin to fill an area of our lives that never satisfied before. But we just lost our way for a moment. And hopefully today, while you're here, you might get a focus again, might realize, that's me. Because we're all the same. We're all the same. It says that Zacchaeus tried to see who Jesus was. Now, I've found that what happens at times, you know, there are all sorts of things that obscure our vision. They stop us seeing God in his reality. You know, we were at the uh, um, President's Conference, and uh, Darlene Czech was leading worship. In the afternoon, she'd shared her story, her particular battle with cancer, and I'm sure all of you guys are well aware of that, living on the coast where they are operating as well. But when she came to lead worship that night, it was just so, you know, captivating to see that this worship that she was leading was no longer coming out of Darling Czech, the worship leader, but it was coming out of this Darling Czech who has journeyed through this incredible battle and is so appreciative of who Jesus was, is for her life. And the motivation in her heart was to pull all of us into a place of actually seeing who Jesus was. To see who he is. And we have all these things that obscure God from us at times. Zacchaeus, he's trying to 
to look. You know, he can't see. There's the crowd around about him. There's all this sort of stuff. You know that we can have all sorts of things that crowd God out of our vision, that distort how he is. You could have had some negative experience at church. You may have friends who have had negative experiences with church. So they can't see Jesus because of the church. You know, and our thing is we have got to do something to get ourselves into a place so we can actually see him. And our vision can be obscured. And if your vision is obscured today, the greatest thing that can happen, and this is the whole beauty of being in the house of God, is that we allow the Spirit of the Lord to come upon our lives and begin to speak into us and begin to help adjust our vision so that we're no longer looking at what has been. We're no longer looking at offenses. We're no longer looking at disillusionment or discouragement or things that have not happened. But our vision begins to look for Jesus again, to find him. Because he's the one who will transform and change our lives. So this is what Zacchaeus does. And we're all aware of the story. It says he runs ahead and he climbs up a sycamore tree. It's actually a sycamore fig. It's not a very high tree. And, um, but he climbs up it because it just gives him a perspective. It just gives him a, a better view, right? He kind of figured this Jesus is coming this way. And the best thing we can do is get ourselves in the way that Jesus is. Taking yourself to a president's conference, we think, oh, we've seen enough conferences that's how I think sometimes, but I'm probably the only one who thinks like that. Sometimes I can be quite disgusting, right? But that's the beauty of having a saviour who's able to cleanse me and transform and change my life. But I sort of found, you know, this is my head, all right? I'm, I'm a very honest speaker. So this is my head prior to the conference. Why am I going? What am I doing? What's the point? I've been to so many of these, da-da-da-da, Right? My wife is better. She sort of, we'll, we'll get there. We'll just, and I, so I get there, and, and, and the first night, you know, I'm, I'm there and I think, this is why I'm here. This is why I need to come. This is why I need to be enveloped in this atmosphere, because it shifts me, right? It shifts me. And that's the whole thing. We need to get ourselves into places that alter or change our perception or perspective, whatever the case is. You know, every single one of us, I'm going to go back to Byron again because I think that this is what needs to happen in our world. And I'm not saying it's not happening in your world, but just as a refresher, we need to keep getting ourselves in the place where Jesus is really, truly alive in us. He's not just a past experience when we first came to him. We're actually encountering him today. What is it that you're believing for? What is it that you need to have happen in your life? Because whatever it is that you need to have happen in your life, there is some action, there is some action that you need to engage in to get you to a place where you can see Jesus, get yourself into a place where He is moving, where He is coming by. Getting myself into the presence conference was a place where Jesus was coming by. And He just washed all over me. I just heard some of the most incredible teaching insightful teaching, honest teaching. If you weren't there, one of the great messages was by Stephen Furtick, where he was just talking about me too. Are you, are you going through a tough time? Me too. Are you disillusioned? Me too. Have you been wounded? Me too. Have you offended God at times? Me too. You know, he, he's just identifying with 
where we're all at, instead of looking at someone standing behind a pulpit and thinking, oh, they've got it all wide. They're all, no, no. We're all on the same journey. We're all walking with the same God. So Zacchaeus, he takes the initiative. He runs ahead, changes his position, his perspective, and his focus. And that's what we've got to do. That's the beauty of worship. That's why I love these worship leaders. We've got one of these as well in our church. We cage our drummer. <laughs> right? They've got to be caged because sometimes they go crazy and the sticks are going everywhere. I, thought, I looked at that and I thought, same anointing. <laughs> same spirit. Where's the drummer? Have you got air con in there? Brilliant. Because that's what we did too. Because one of our drummers, he was sort of nearly fainting. You know. But he was getting smaller. Right? He had, he had shrunk quite substantially. Had difficulty finding him sometimes. Initiative taken. Initiative taken. Where does initiative come from? It comes from us. It just comes from us. Right? Sitting in a, in a place like this while we're worshipping. You know, you sing that song, I heard the ground rumbling. What a great song. What a great song. But it sparks something in us and we take initiative. It comes from us. I, I'm going to do this. I'm not just going to think about it. I'm going to do this. And I'll tell you something that helps reinforce initiative is when you actually tell somebody else, this is what I'm going to do. And that person's going to hold you accountable to what you said. Oh, too serious. Okay, sorry about that one. Because we need it. We need someone to hold us accountable so that we'll deliver, we'll carry on through. I love this. He's up the tree and he sees Jesus and Jesus sees him. And that's what needs to happen for us. We need to see Jesus and we need to know that he sees us. Amen? Amen. This scripture comes out of Genesis chapter 16, verse 13. It's uh, Abraham's uh, servant girl, or actually Sarah's servant girl called Hagar. Sarah's become very, uh, you know, sort of uh, vulnerable with having Hagar around, and so she sends her out, sends her out into the desert. So Hagar's out there in the desert. She's been rejected from the camp. There's no one that can rescue her, and she's just sitting in the desert, waiting to die. And then God speaks to her and shows her a, a spring. But this is the word that she says to deliver it. This is the word she says, I have seen the God who sees me. Amen? I have seen the God who sees me. And I want to tell you, no matter where you're at right now today, with your faith, with your journey, with your experience, whatever difficulty, whatever great success you've had, God sees you for who you really are. He sees your vulnerability. He sees your heart. He sees your aspirations, your vision, your dreams, your desires. He sees it all. He sees our deceptions. He sees our lies. He sees the things that aren't real. He sees it all. There's nothing hidden from God. But he's not looking with eyes of condemnation or judgment. He's looking with eyes of love and compassion. 
Because he understands our humanity. He understands our frailty. He understands us. Whatever you and I might be wrestling with in life, he understands it. And he is not looking at us with condemnation. He was not looking at Zacchaeus thinking, you have ripped off the Jewish people by taking taxes from the Romans. You're a bad man. He wasn't looking like that. He was looking with an eye of someone who was trying to make a connection, struggling in the process. I've seen the God who sees me. I've seen the God who sees me. If you have nothing else out of this message this morning, remember this, I've seen the God who sees me. And every time we get into church, every time we worship, that is what we want to be doing. I want to see you, Jesus. I want to see you. I want to see you for who you really are. Not what we portray at times from a religious perspective. Not what we portray sometimes from a cultural perspective. You know, whether it's a Christian city church, whether it's a Baptist church, whether whatever it is, it's actually seen through the culture to see Jesus. To see Jesus. To see Jesus. I have no greater message than that, to see Jesus. And that's the most powerful statement. I have seen the God who sees me and loves me and accepts me, cares about me, will deliver me, is drawing near to me. This God, this God, this God. And this God that sees me sees you. And this God that we're pursuing is right here, right now, in this place. Through the power of his spirit. He made the connection. This is what Jesus said. He says, Zacchaeus, make haste. Come down from that tree. For this day I must come to your house. He's got to come to our place. Amen? He's got to come to our place. This is what I love about the spirit of God. Right now, all across the central coast, there are church services taking place. And this Jesus is in every one of them. It's not a competition. The only competition that we've got going is against the devil. Against the enemy of men's and women's souls. That's the only competition. The rest of it, we're all on the same team. We're all seeking to win people to Christ. Amen? And so, Jesus says, I've got to come to your house. You know, and you might be here this morning... Have never connected with Christ. You're just listening to, oh yeah, okay, that sounds all right. It's life transforming. It is life transforming. Jesus came into Christians and my life. It was life transforming. Just turned us around. Where we'd lost hope, he breathed possibility into our lives. Where we didn't know where we were going anymore, he gave us a direction. We were just... Two young hippies with a little nine-month-old girl, you know, just hitchhiking around New Zealand, you know, carrying a couple of joints because we were so paranoid. We thought, thought if we could just smoke one of these again, we'll be okay. But we couldn't actually smoke them. I tried to give them away to a friend, and he says, I don't smoke anymore. So they were thrown away. But the reality was this. We needed something, someone, to transform and change our lives. We couldn't do it ourselves. And so we walked into a Bible shop and they were, uh, you know, because I'd been to the church on the Sunday night and I sort of thought, wow, this is cool. 
You know, I had a particular perspective, you know. I sort of saw ourselves, we're the flower children. So, uh, you know, I, the guy, my friend says, oh, you should go up the front. It's a real buzz. I'm into buzzes. So I went up the front and this guy asked me the question. He didn't ask me, did I want Christ in my life? He just asked me the question, what can I do for you? I says, I just want to know God more. And so he prayed for me. And I felt the power of God come over me. I went down on the ground. And I thought, that's incredible. <laughs> right? That's incredible. Right? The next day, Christine and I, we were, you know, Chris wanted to get hitchhiking off. And I says, well, you know, I've applied for this job working in a nursery. And you got to understand, that's a miracle. I hate plants. <laughs> you know, I only have one gardening implement, and that's a lawnmower. And anything that gets in the road of it goes under, right? But uh, And I've got a friend who's a horticulturist, and so I usually draw off him when I'm talking about, you know, any sort of expertise in, in uh, plants and that. But anyway, I walked in this Bible shop, and uh, I said to this guy, I said, doesn't the Bible say, because I've been reading the New Testament, because I, I'm an apocalyptic type person, right? I'm looking at all the stuff happening in the world, and I kind of think, oh, this is the end of the world. And this is my perspective. That's why you need to have good Bible teaching. Otherwise, you go crazy. Right? So this is my perspective. You know, I've been reading the, the red-letter version of the Gideon's Bible. And so I read this version, and I said to him, Doesn't the Bible say, Unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And I'm coming from this perspective, that we're the flower children. We're all about peace. Hey, you know. And he says, he turned to me and he said, well, it actually says, unless you become childlike, not childish. And you know when, I don't know if you've ever been spoken to by God where it's like a king hit, it goes bang like that, and it just hit me. I realized, you know, that I didn't know God, but this guy did. He just took us out the back of the Bible shop with his wife and prayed for us. We came to Christ. Never looked back. Transformed our lives forever in a moment of time. That's what Jesus is saying to Zacchaeus. I've got to come to your house. I've got to come to your house. In Revelation 3.20 it says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my butt in keeping with the extension of his kingdom, but rather the extension of mine, then I'll find myself becoming disillusioned with the principles of God because I'm applying them in the wrong manner. But once I get myself aligned with the kingdom of God, and I begin to walk in that way and begin to apply his principles for my life, I begin to see and experience the power of God manifesting in a reality. I begin to see things open up. That's Byron's story this morning. Let's just sow some synthetic grass in someone's place. That's synthetic grass. It's not supposed to grow. You know that. That's true, isn't it? But you've heard today that that synthetic grass, $5,000 worth of synthetic grass, grew into a $100,000 synthetic grass harvest. There you go. Miracles happen. Isn't that right, Byron? Miracles happen. Synthetic grass can grow. Right? You heard it here. Byron told you. This is what happens. He has a change of vision, and this is exactly what Zacchaeus does. He says, Lord... I'm going to give half of what I have to the poor. I love that statement. Lord, Lord, kurios. He immediately recognizes who Jesus is. Jesus hasn't done any miracles right then. All he's done is seen Zacchaeus and said, Zacchaeus, you must come down. I must eat at your place today. And he says, Lord, 
I want to tell you when we have a personal revelation of who Jesus is, it changes how we see him. Absolutely changes it. And so he comes down, he says, if I've, if I, with all that I've got, I'm going to give half to the poor. And if I've ripped anyone off, if I've defrauded them, I'm going to pay back fourfold what I took from them. I want to tell you what that does. It tells you and I that there is a repentance in his heart. There's a restitution that's coming from his soul and it brings about a reconciliation to God. And those two things or those three things actually transform his life, which causes Jesus to speak over his world, but not only into his world, into ours in 2015. This is his great statement. He says, he speaks about salvation. His salvation has come to this house for the son of man has not come to uh, seek and to save that which is it, but to seek and to save the lost. Amen? That's what he's come to do. He came to find the lost. And if you and I are lost, we can be found today. If there is something that has disappeared from our world, we can find the redemptive power of God come into our world and begin to restore things. It may not be restored in the way that it was, But he will bring a redemptive process into your world so that he is able to compensate for that which you lost. Only it won't be attached to that which is broken and shattered. He will just bring back into your world something that is born of him. Not born of this world. What is lost is found. We just need to let the redemptive power of God flow into our world in every aspect. Amen? In every aspect. What's lost in your world? What's lost in your world? We've got to get the redemptive power of God onto that. Amen? That's what we do. What time am I supposed to finish? All right? We're just about done. Two things, or three things, I should say. If you've got to make the shift, make the shift. Amen? If you've got to make the shift, make the shift. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit would speak into your life, my life today. If I've got to make a shift, help me to see where I've got to make the shift, God. Help me to see where I need to make the shift. Because I believe right now that God is really super interested in the moving of His Spirit, not only in this context of church, but when you walk out these doors and go home to your life, That he's moving there. That he's moving in your kids. That he's moving in your marriage. That he's moving in your workplace. That he's moving in your community. That he's moving in all these things that matter to you. That are significant to you. The supernatural power of God. I don't want to live my life so it's just happenstance. You know, okay, I meet with God at church. But during the rest of the week, I've got to do it all myself. No, no. I want the power of God moving over me when I'm in church. I want the power of God moving over me when I walk out of here. I want the power of God moving over my children, over my family, over my marriage, over my friends, over my community, over all the things that I'm involved in. I want to see the power of God moving them. I don't want to just talk about what happened 2,000 years ago. I don't want to talk about the miracles that transpired 2,000 years ago. I want to talk about the miracles that are happening today. I want to talk about the things, and they may not be super you know, uh, big in terms of raising the dead or whatever, but that they are literally miracles when I see someone's life turned around. 
when someone gets a breakthrough in their business or someone's marriage just starts coming together or someone's child actually begins to find their way back to God. Miracles, absolute miracles, life transforming. Ask any parent whose kid is away from God to see them making their way back towards God and ask them if that makes them feel good. I'll tell you, great. Our kids all went away from God. They all bailed out at one particular point in time. You know, very disconcerting. Doesn't make you look good, right? But then one by one, they started to make their way back. Some kids don't have to go out of church. They find God in church. Some kids have to go out and have to find God for themselves because the thing is this, God has, you know, he doesn't have grandchildren. He just has children. That's what he has. Kids can't travel into God on the back of their parents. Somewhere along the line, they've got to find it for themselves. Yeah, Jesus, I love it. God's so faithful. Faithful with Ruth and Chris. He's faithful with Christine and I. Just keep walking the walk. Follow Jesus. Second thing I want you to remember is this. If you've got to make, sorry, first thing, you've got to make the shift. Second thing, the God who sees me, or the God that I've seen, sees me. Amen? He sees me. That's who we've got to see. And the final thing is this. What has been lost can be found. That's what God's come looking for. What has been lost can be found. What has been lost can be found. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message and feel challenged and encouraged. Please let others know about our podcast so they too can learn, live their best life. You can find out more about our church and ministries at c3cc.org.au. See you next time. God bless.